Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. This is the show where conversations save lives, and this is episode 146. My name is Jeff, and it's great that you're joining us here for this conversation tonight with me. One of my favorite guys is always one of your favorite guys, D.W. How you doing, man? I'm fine. You're speaking for a lot of people. There, there, there are some people where I'm not their favorite. I know that. I'm a Packer fan. I'm sorry. They don't like Packer fans. That's unfortunate, though. It, that he's a Packer fan, I would agree. Yes. I don't know how you can not be a Packer fan. Well, I mean, you can like the Jets and the Raiders and all these other teams, but when it comes down to it, Packers always have a sweet spot in everybody's heart. That's the way it should be anyway. All I can say is Rodgers can join our team any day. Yeah, he probably could right now. <laughs> <laughs> he probably could, but he'd probably not be starting <laughs> if he did. I don't know. It'd be a coin toss. Look, he, Cutler or Rodgers? Now, now, anybody has slumps. Everybody, I, you you know, Chicago Cubs, they go into a slump too once in a while. Yeah. Of course, at the recording of this program, we're not sure what the outcome is yet, but they do go into slumps. Once in a while. Jason's back. Man, it's good to have you, man. How you doing? Oh, it's great. It's 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 always fun to be back, even though I take a bunch of ridicule from you guys. Somehow <laughs> I keep coming back, but I think it's because I really, deep down in my heart, want you guys to see the truth and the light, and so I'll just keep coming back until you guys are able to see that, so... We have um, a problem. I have mold in my teacup. What? That's disgusting. I, I do see that. Yes, we have a problem. The problem is yeah, that... Don't call 911 <laughs> or anything, but we do have a problem. You, you actually almost just drank that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, I is, saw that. Gross. I just realized I, I realized that this it was... It was on the I'm, way to your lips yeah, no, until you realized. No, no, no. This is the cup I'm using to my mouth for today. That one there <laughs> has been here for weeks. That one's been here for weeks. I need to clean this place up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only your station. I know it is. It's my station Our over stations here. Like, are nice and yeah, clean. Yeah, this is not good. <laughs> I got Sharky at my can, station. Can you, tell, can you tell that my wife doesn't come in here? yes it's like my own little bachelor pad oh unreal unreal we need to do a whole show dave i can't have you choking on mold or any disgusting stuff in cups so please put aside all the dirty dishes and anything that could possibly make you sick today because i know i wouldn't be good i I couldn't do this myself dave i i need you on this show tonight you know when you think about that though i mean we're talking about tough love that kind of stuff obviously if my I, i made a joke about if my wife were here See, she doesn't, she doesn't exactly enable me to do this. This is one of those things because she doesn't walk in this room. Mm-hmm. I, I can, so I wonder how much of our behavior is that way where, you know, we know that if this person isn't going to hold us accountable, that, that we just live differently. You know, we just don't live like we're supposed to actually because you're not supposed to leave cups like that, I don't think. I don't, I don't think you're supposed to do that. But No. Yeah, I don't think so. But I did. And I'm looking at it going, who cares? This is my little space. You know, I mean, this is my little space right here. And in fact, you know what she calls the studio here sometimes is a man cave studio. And I think she's made rules about coming in here. (laughs) With herself? Yes. 
Like yeah. she won't? Yeah, I don't think so. It's appropriate, though. You know, she will once in a while for a quick in and out, but I, I think she tries to hold her breath when she walks in uh. and walks out. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> we're, we're working on that. Well, you do have one thing right. We do need to talk about tough love. We had a great conversation last week about tough love, what that really was all about. And so if you missed that show, you can go back and download it on our website, hopenet360.com. But tonight, Dave... I want to talk about you know the, the need that we have for relationships. Relationships are a key part of every one of our lives. We were created to have significant and meaningful relationships. And so our response to some situations that happen in life, every one of us will experience pain in a relationship. There's always going to be some part of relationships that are painful. Um, oftentimes, it's because one of us in the relationship does something to... Uh, not always intentionally, maybe sometimes intentionally, but not always intentionally harm the other person. But we do. We make mistakes. We mess up. We're imperfect people. And what happens when people intentionally or even recklessly cause harm to themselves or to you? What's the response to that? We've been talking about tough love. And tonight I want to talk about when it does work. Tough love can work. I think it can work. Maybe you don't agree that it can work, but I think strategies of tough love can work. They don't always work in every case. When don't they work? When do they work? We're going to talk about that tonight on the show. Join us tonight on the tweet back. We're going to kick that off right now. Join us on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show, Jeff DW. We got Jason hanging out in studio tonight here on HopeNet Radio. And you can be a part of this conversation with us tonight talking about tough love. When does it work? Maybe you've had an experience where either you have had to instill a moment of tough love in a relationship and so maybe you've got an experience you want to share with us. You can join us on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. You can also send us an email at hope at hopenet360.com. Be a part of this conversation with us. Tough love isn't always easy. And, you know, we try to we try to show you love, Jason. We try to show you some tough love once in a while. This last week, you had the chance to go and, and see the Packers play. And win. That is the Bears. That's the cool part. Well, you know. And they won. And, and they he, won big time. You know what? They made the Bears look like they were the sisters of the poor. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. All right. The brothers of the righteous. I wouldn't go that far. All right. A win is a win, whether it's right. rightfully or unrightfully. That's right. I'll give you that. And we're on I'll our way now to Super Bowl, whatever But it the still number. doesn't make me back down and say that you need to come over to light. I mean, look at the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, you look at them. i've been looking at it all my life i'm objecting i can't look at them because i don't have cable whatever happened to baseball playoffs that aren't on cable touche yeah touche yeah so you look at them if you've got cable (laughs) i I just go on the internet and see if people are moaning or cheering and you say it's how the cubs are doing that's right that's right (laughs) hey last week we talked about this tough love dave and i just want to recap real quick because you brought up some I think very important distinctives when we're talking about tough love. You talked a lot about enabling versus empowering. Right. Uh, We talked about reprove, rebuke, exhort. Paul's letter to Timothy in there and how to handle. In a lot of ways, that deals with relationships. Yes, it does. Um, You also talked about controlling or conditioning versus educating. And so if you missed any one of these words, you want to go back and listen to the podcast last week. But the idea that you also brought up was creating a normal of communication 
by tempering your response. Could you just highlight that a little bit? What what did you mean again by that normal of communication, whether it's in families or in just any relationship in general? What does that mean? Well, you know what? I, th- I think it's very important that we always have a dialogue. One of the lines on our program is conversations save lives. And what we want to do is be able to keep dialogues open. And all relationships have that. I was actually talking to a young man this week, yesterday. And he was talking about some stresses he has in his family and how when that happens, somebody older in his family just doesn't talk to anyone. Mm. They, just, they just go silent. There's no way to fix this. Now, what you're getting, what you're communicating is, because I disagree with you, I'm not going to give any channel for this to get fixed until you agree with me. Mm. Because now we can't even talk about it. Because, and now you're afraid in the future to disagree with the person because you know they're not going to talk to you. So w- one of the most important things we, we need is a normalcy of communication about all things. You're not going to agree with people on all things. I mean, we have fun with Jason talking about the Bears, whatever, and Packers. We don't have to agree. There's no stipulation that we have to agree. We can still talk about things. And within families, there's a lot of families, it's not normal to sit and talk about difficult subjects. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. We need to make that normal again. You know, I can guarantee you, if you have children at home today, they're sitting there. They have, if, especially if they're plugged into the media, public schools, they're wondering about certain things, but they won't bring them up. And they're not going to bring them up because it's not normal to bring up difficult subjects to talk about. I mean, it, it's very rare. Either, either of you guys grow up where, where the most difficult subjects and the things you're really wondering about in your heart was normal for you to bring up and talk about with your parents? Not always. No. no. And, and that's what I'm saying is it would be much healthier, especially in today's environment of communication and media, yeah. that, that people start. You guys got young kids at home. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you to somehow make it so normal for them to talk about what they're thinking about. And, and what is it that's, that, that really shuts somebody down when they start talking about something that, that starts? It's, it's a little shocking. What, what is it that shuts them down, do you think? I mean, what would shut you down if, if you're talking to me you didn't want to talk to me about something? I, I think maybe the, the urgency to want to jump in and fix it, right. that will kind of shut me down from you know, wanting to continue the dialogue. So you made a very important point. It's important that we listen to what they say. A child of yours comes home from school. They saw something that you disagree with totally. And they say, hey, mom, you know, or dad, you know, I saw this today. And you're going, oh, those people ought all be thrown in jail, you know, whatever. Or your reaction to, like, this year, the election that's going on. And the, there's no dialogue about it necessarily. There's just, here's my point, now be quiet mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that doesn't promote a conversation at this point. Mm-hmm. It's really important that if you're going to have a conversation, I want to encourage families to do this. Get every day a time where you sit down together and supper would be a great meal to do it. Some time where you sit together and just talk. No other media, nothing else, and just check in with each other and talk about the day. Yes, at different ages, it's going to look differently and it might be three minutes. You know, But, but every day get in the habit of having a conversation. How'd yeah. you feel today? What were you thinking about? Did you see anything that... And, and, you know, you might want to have another rule in there that when a child brings up something that's just shocking, just absolutely, ah, you know, I can't believe they said that, don't respond to it right then. Respond to it the next day. Take some time to think about it and pray about it because you want to open that dialogue. Right. Don't you want to know, wouldn't it be wonderful if, I don't want to say wonderful that they're doing something wrong, but wouldn't it be wonderful if your child was on the computer and all of a sudden a pornography site popped up? And they came and got you and said, how come it did this and why? Now you have the chance mm-hmm. to educate them and talk to them right yeah. now. Instead, they hit the button and hide it. 
and you never hear about it. So how do you get to the point where you actually encourage and set up the environment so that you have these normal conversations at home? Yeah. And that's what I would encourage people to do as far as when we talked about having the normal conversations. Likewise, if I'm learning something in the Bible, can't I just talk about it at home? Mm-hmm. with the kids and with my wife. And see, that's that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, and I think, David, it's creating that atmosphere where you're comfortable to do that. And so it's creating a new norm. And like we talked about, that doesn't exist sometimes. You know, like it doesn't necessarily exist even in the family that I grew up in. I don't think it exists most places. You know, and so in order to have that, we have to be intentional. Right. And to, cre- and to change that and to create the normal, to create that atmosphere, whether it's in your family or whether it's even in a friendship, you know, because even as I mentor young guys, I'm like, here's what you need to do. It's one thing for me to have this conversation with you, but it'd be more effective if one of your peers had this conversation with you because now you guys are doing life on life together and you're getting below just talking about sports and the weather and, and, and all those sort of things. And all of a sudden, these conversations allow us to show each other love. It and this so is what we're talking about. Though. They don't do it. I right. mean, most of the time when, when, when young people get together, they go sit in silence and watch a movie or play a video game or right. where they're not communicating. Right. We as parents need to take that back. So we need to make it normal again, the communication part and the play part. I mean, but there always should be this communication component. If we're not going to be intentional about it, I think we're going to be in trouble down the road. We got to do that. And we got to take a break. Join us on the tweet back tonight. Use that hashtag HNRTB. Also, our live coaches are standing by at HopeNet360.com if you need to chat tonight. So check that all out. HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Jeff DW, we've got Jason hanging out in studio with us tonight. And guys, having a, a fun and yet serious conversation about tough love. Now, this is uh, uh, something we talked about last week. So this is part two of our conversation. But tough love, the idea behind tough love is that you're promoting a person's welfare, especially that of an addict, a child, or a criminal, by enforcing certain constraints on them or requiring them to take responsibility for their actions. That's that's not my definition. That's from you know dictionary.com, whatever you want to. And as Christians, what are what the responsibility is when we're expressing tough love or using tough love as a way to help someone to recover. And, and Dave, before we were talking kind of before the show here, we're, we're just chatting about how, you know, the purpose of tough love, what that really is. And we used a couple of words and, and I thought it was just really, it'd be a great segue to just kind of talk about where we want to get when we're using tough love. See, we don't use tough love because we like to harass people or abuse them or, or, you know, force them to make changes they don't want to make. No, we use tough love in a way that fosters uh, what we would call restoration, or another R word is reconciliation. In relationships, when someone hurts us, you know, we, we have an expectation. When someone hurts you, what's the best thing you can expect out of that relationship to happen? You know, first of all, I think we need to allow e- each of us to be human um, in this world because we are. Yeah. And, and because we're human, we're going to fail. We're going to do things that we should not do. That is not a license to be an idiot. I mean, that's just the way it is. And we're told that we need to forgive one another. And we really need to. In fact, we're told to forgive like God forgives, like Jesus forgave us. And we need to do that. Now, what's interesting is I think sometimes we have 
some concepts all mixed in together, and we have to be careful. To forgive somebody does not mean you restore them. Those are two different concepts. Forgiveness is certainly the first step of restoration, but it, but it isn't a restoration at that point. So if somebody came to you and said, you know, I did this terrible, awful thing. I robbed you of $400 billion. You are now, you know, in a poorhouse, whatever. It, it, that's fine. I can forgive you. But restoration would be how are you going to pay it back? And how are you going to change in the future? That's restoration. Now, I can, honestly, those are two different concepts. I can forgive somebody and still work at restoration with them and say, you need to restore this. You need to do that. Now, whether they let me or not, because what they do, what we do is we put it all in one basket. I say, if you've forgiven me, then I don't need to be restored because I'm restored. No, 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 not yet. Uh, let's use a, a different example, um, example of a marriage. There's one of the spouses that goes out and cheats on the other one and then you know, either is caught or confesses or whatever. Okay, there, there's a bit of trust there that's not there anymore. And, and rightfully so, by the way. And one of the spouses, uh, the one that got uh, hurt, could definitely forgive the one that hurt them. But it will take time to once again establish the trust that they need. And that's the rest restorative process. And there will be a time, by the way, if you do what's right and you love God and this person gives you a chance, there will be a time where you could be restored. I've seen churches do this in a marvelous way, where they've taken somebody who has really done things they shouldn't, they have called them out on it, and the person has confessed. And in the process, they have heard a lot of people in the church and their family. The person confessed the sin. They wanted to get back. People forgave them. They kept them in the church, but they gave them some very strict guidelines. And he had a, you know, they, they had to meet with people. They had to make sure. You know, and eventually, they were restored back to their positions. And these were actually church leaders that were restored back. I've seen pastors who have, have done. And by the way, every pastor you've ever met is a sinful person. But I've seen pastors who have been removed from their position of authority, and people have thought they should never again be a pastor. I'm not sure I think that. You know, I, I think, yes, for a while you shouldn't be. I really do. I think for a while, again, you shouldn't be. But in that while, what, what you're doing in tough love, tough love isn't just making it rough on somebody. Tough love is, is actually loving them to the point where you get them back and restored. It's kind of like a broken bone. Uh, you know, a lot of times I've been told, and I don't know because I'm not, I'm not Mr. Doctor, but I've been told that a torn ligament or a broken bone, when they do surgery or something, sometimes it comes back stronger mm. than, than it was in the first place. So why wouldn't you use it again mm. the way that, you know, if somebody really messed up in life, what if they came back stronger? Wouldn't that be a terrible waste of life for us to never let it come back if they came back stronger? That's what we have to look at. And, and that's the mind frame I, I think is healthy. Forgiveness first. If you're struggling with that, you got to deal with it. But then restoration. And, and you guys are younger. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on, on that, you know, those two areas. And, and I'm trying to divide them into two. They're not one. And the idea of don't you want people who have been through some rough times and learned some things to help? Because they already have realized something. Yeah. You know, I think that's very true. Because even as I think of examples in, in my life, and even as I mentor younger guys, that is so true. Like the forgiveness and then restoration. You know, say it's a habitual sin thing that they're dealing with. You know, whether it's looking at things they shouldn't look at or doing something. There's the forgiveness aspect. And then there's the process, the restoration process of, of changing. Every time when you get through that process, I believe you are stronger. Because now you're able to say no. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. 
it almost it goes hand in hand with that sanctification right. that we see in scripture, that that process of sanctification, restoration, right. you know, and, and that's the cool thing about when you have tough love with, with somebody is really you're, you're saying, you know what, I love you enough to go on this journey with you, to walk alongside you. I realize that neither of us are perfect, but that's not an excuse to keep doing these things. Let's do it together. Let's go on this right. journey. Let's encourage each other. And let's, let's restore these things that you're dealing with so that you can be stronger in the end. Right. Yeah, I think that's critical. And that's one of those things that, that we have to do better. Not only that, when you talk about, well, I'll think about forgiving you, you, do you realize that when you sin, you sin against God? And yes, you do sin against other people, but I am not God. What happens is we kind of like playing God almost, and that's that's dangerous. Who do I think I am? Like if, Jason, you did something and, and you asked for forgiveness, I go, let me think about it. Yeah, who do I think I am doing that? That is not my role. No, you have come and you have confessed something. It is not my role to make it hard for you to get restored. It is my role to make it easy for you. Now, yes, I didn't say I trust you day one, but I can forgive you. And, and I would encourage our listeners, you've got to think through the ramifications of the differences between those two concepts. That That is really true. Dave, I appreciate what he said about the forgiveness part of it. I think from a Christian perspective, the way Jesus taught, I think we can we can honestly say the first priority when someone hurts us is instead of choosing to hold a grudge against them is to just forgive them right away. I know that's difficult. I know there are a lot of situations that are that people face that whether it's abuse or neglect or something that is is very strong, it brings about strong emotions. That's a hard thing to swallow, but I, I, I think the road of forgiveness initially is the better road. The road of restoration is something that we need to unpack a little bit more in the second half of the show. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about this in the second half of HopeNet Radio. You can join the conversation with us. Send us an email at hope at hopenet360.com or jump on the tweet back on Twitter tonight. Just use that hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. Every teen needs positive interactions every day. It's why many teens visit the online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. Through Groundwire, adults like you volunteer two to four hours per week, sharing wisdom and encouragement with young people searching for that one positive voice in a world blaring with negatives. You can be that positive voice. We're adding 20 new coaches to our online coaching team. Learn more at HopeNet360.com slash coach. Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio. And when I'm not doing radio, one of my favorite things to do is teach at the Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to check out this one-year Bible and service program at nicolaybibleinstitute.org. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Jason hanging out with you tonight here on the show. And if you miss any part of this conversation, subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Just check out HopeNet360.com slash podcast. All of our past episodes are there, and you can find them on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, whatever podcast app you use, you'll be able to download them for free on our website, HopeNet360.com. Guys, we've been having a great conversation about tough love, part two this week on The Conversation, and we're talking about how tough love works. 
the reality is we have to have a purpose. Tough love in a vacuum does not work. And there are many critics out there that would tell you why exactly tough love strategies do not work in any relationship. But I'm here to tell you that I think there is a part of tough love that can work. And the purpose of it that we've been talking about tonight is this idea of forgiveness coupled with reconciliation or restoration. The two are words that I like to throw out and use because they are difficult words to put into practice, but it's this, it's the way that God would have us do it because he did that very thing. When we messed up and we, you know, we partook in that, that act of sin, even in the Garden of Eden, that was where original sin came into the world. And, and so now from that point of history, God chose the route of restoration. He would restore relationships back to him, even though it seemed like it would be impossible. And in our lives, we are faced with those kinds of situations almost every day uh, where we have to choose, am I going to forgive and then work towards restoration? Or am I just going to just throw everything aside and say, forget it. This relationship is not worth keeping. You know, if it's a married relationship and there's been some wounds, some hurt in there, man, it would just be tough just to hang it all up and just to go and, and not worry about going back and trying to undo all that's been done. Let's, let's just scrap it. Let's crumple it up, throw it away. And we'll just start over. You can do your thing. I'll do my thing. It's just not worth it. And I fear that that is happening a lot in our world today because we are so prone to want the quick fix in relationships that we're not always willing to go through what it actually means to have love for a person in a relationship when and they really don't deserve it, when they really mess up. And, and Dave, I know you got some thoughts on that, some ideas to share. What does restoration look like? How do we get there? You know, we need to be careful because a lot of times we turn everything to be about us still. We think that if things don't get restored, it's a reflection on our ability, our love or whatever, it is, whatever else. Remember this, it's not God's will that any should perish, but somebody will perish. People will perish. Hmm. In other words, some do not want restoration. They do not want it. And there's no way that you can legislate it. There's no way that you can make it happen. So you can forgive people like God is willing to forgive anyone that comes to him. And, and if you have not experienced God's forgiveness, if you have not done that, I, I would hope you'd go to the Hope Line, that you go to hopenet360.com, talk to some, some live coaches there right now and, and say, look, I've never experienced God's forgiveness. I would love to. Because he offers it to you. But if you reject his forgiveness, if you reject that, then there's no way for you to be restored. And that's your responsibility. Jeff and Jason, there are times where you have forgiven somebody, but there's no possible way to restore them because of the fact that you can't legislate it, you can't make it happen. I use a, a, maybe an example of an abusive dad or something. Yes, it, you have them out of the home, etc. There really is no repentance. There's no desire to be different. Eventually, if they ask for forgiveness, you can do that, but you still have to protect the children and you still have to look down the road. And you see, there, there's times where your tough love says, I'm sorry, you can't be here right now. And, and that's a harder thing because now you're thinking, well, I'm not working hard enough at it. No, th there will be people, unfortunately, that will end up in hell because they did not want the restoration that was offered to them from God. That does not mean that God does not love them. And it does not mean that God is happy with that or satisfied with that. I heard somebody tell me once that, that, you know, the only satisfaction that God has or the only appeasement he has for sin is either, um, you know, hell for people or Christ's death. And I said, no, his only desire is Christ's death, not us. He does not want to punish us. That's not what he wants to do. 
The only acceptable payment to God is Jesus. There's nothing else that pleases him in that sense. In other words, he's kind of saying, I already paid the price for your restoration. Why don't you take it? See, that's what he doesn't understand. So my role, if I'm going to be like Christ, is I'm going to do what I need to to help restore people around me. But if they don't take it, I will not pretend that they're restored either. And that's where the tough love comes in at that point. Because then I'm going to keep them a distance from people because they can get you know, uh, hurt or, or, or whatever else it might be. You know, and not only that, I have to examine my own anger. I don't know if you guys, when somebody hurts you, you tend to get angry at them. That's where the danger comes in. We really need to learn how to be angry with the sin because we have the same sin and we need to be angry with that sin. I, I know you've heard, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. It's something that's hard to grasp. But the truth of the matter is, we should be angry with what sin does to people. It separates them. It destroys life. It destroys relationships. And that ought to break our hearts. And we ought to feel sad for the person because they don't get it and they're still indulging in that. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's another little fine line that helps you stay healthy. It's hard to put into practice. I mean, like I said, it was, it, it's a choice. We have to choose, you know, especially if we're going to model, we're going to model a tough love in a relationship. We have to back it up with the overall intent to want to restore that relationship. Otherwise, it's not really tough love. Then it's more yeah. of an authoritarian kind of structure. And, and we've got a little chart on our show notes tonight that kind of talks more about how each of these approaches work. But, you know, if you have the authoritarian part down really well, but you don't have a whole lot of love backing it up, that's usually where you're going to get that more of the abuse side of it. If you have, if you have the structure side down, but you don't have the whole love part down, that's where you get the authoritarian kind of structure. Yeah. And that, that I think, Dave, when we went back and, and said, you know, what really turns us off to relationships um, and having conversations and dialogue is that sometimes you want to get that quick fix across. And yeah. unfortunately, restoration isn't a quick fix. Jason, what are your thoughts? You know, and totally agree with that statement that restoration isn't a quick fix. And that's what we're looking for a lot in our society is we want the quick solution. And that's, that's why I think part of the reason we call it tough love isn't only just because it's awkward to do it, but because it is tough to do it because it takes a while. It t- it's a process. Things take time. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, if you're looking to solve something right away, you might as well just give up now because it's, it's not going to happen. And since you can't legislate it, right. you need to model it. Right. That's very important to understand. You can't legislate righteousness. You can't legislate behavior or heart, but you can model it. And if you want somebody to be restored and there's something in their life they've done wrong, then you model the right way to do it and you forgive them, model the right way to do it and do not enable them to continue to live like they are in your presence. Absolutely. I fully agree with that. All right. We're going to take a break here on the show. We got an interview coming up next, so don't go anywhere. There's a lot of great stuff to talk about tonight yet on the show, and you can be a part of this conversation. Jump on that tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. We'd love to hear from you tonight, so join us there, and this conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're sitting down again with Jim Breeden. He's been sharing his testimony here on HopeNet Radio. And if you missed the first half, just check out last week's episode. Jim, it's good to have you back on the show. Thanks for taking some time and just coming and sharing your story with us. Because I, I think, and I know you think you know this as well, that sharing your story encourages other people that have been maybe through difficulties been through similar experiences or just to encourage people to actually go out and share their story because that's not always an easy thing to do it's not an easy thing to do i just 
really enjoy you know seeing people uh, consider who God is as a result of my story and hopefully eventually getting connected into his word at a, at a deeper level. First part of the interview, we were talking about some of your history leading up to adult life mm-hmm. and then getting into the military and, and then going through a trial that you didn't really anticipate when you entered right. the military. And then life changed for you. And so how did that challenge your faith? How did it challenge you as a man? Where did you go from that point? Well, like I had said, I was a person that memorized scripture because of the classes that I took. And then I ran into some real challenges because my mom and dad weren't around and I was honoring my parents more than I guess you'd say honoring God. Uh, So the faith wasn't my own. Uh, And God pulled me out of that uh, through ulcerative colitis. I was no longer fit for duty. And basically what happened after that I ended up going home, and my sister was part of a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and she invited me to go to a conference. And I had kind of learned that my sister was a little bit, I guess you could say, over the top. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like, well, what's going on with her life, man? She's way too serious for me. So she invited me to go uh, to a fall conference, and I said, yeah, I'll go. Uh, and I was really kind of like uh, being the big brother and just making sure that she wasn't part of some cult or some weird organization. I went there, and something radical was shown to me at that conference. They loved me, and I was the kind of person that wanted to love others and give stuff to them, and I had nothing to offer uh, at that point. And uh, they challenged me to read God's Word for 30 minutes a day, two weeks. I said, I'll give you 15 minutes in a, in a week, which kind of shows you where my heart was at. Mm. But I'm a person of my word, so when I said that, I actually did it. And I ended up coming across within that time frame, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And it wasn't condemnation, it was just a, a calling. He's like, Jim, I've got you on this world for a purpose, but you haven't shared me with anybody. Mm. And that radically changed my life. And that 15 minutes in a week turned into, I couldn't go to sleep at night with an exam the next morning. I'd be in bed at 2 a.m. And I would be saying, no. I need to sleep, God. He's like, no, you need to read my word. And somehow the next day I'd wake up, get B's and A's in school. Hmm. Uh, so just divine intervention because I was only a CB student in high school. What an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's only just a, a small snippet of, of your story and who you are and how you've, you've come through. What would be your encouragement to young people who maybe have faced some similar situations in their life or are just trying to figure out how to actually share their story? You know, I don't know how I would have answered that back in the day because I am like 44 right now. But I've been reading uh, Luke chapter 24 and reading the testimony of, of Jesus and, and how he lived the perfect life, did absolutely nothing wrong. And we still abused him. You know, I was a pretty good kid. I I didn't even come close to measuring up. And then I take a look at like Isaiah chapter 53 and and I looked and I'm like, you know, the God of the universe really loves me because he came despite all of my faults, despite everybody else's faults and said, I'm for you and I want you to be with me for eternity. All you have to do is choose me. Hmm. All you have to do is turn to me and you can have that. So today that's how I would encourage you. Back then I don't know how I would do it. But that's just as as good as it needs to get. I mean, that's that's really the truth. Everybody finds God in a different way. God shows up and points in our life, a lot of times through a point of crisis where we realize how finite we really are mm-hmm. and how infinite he really is. 
and yep. how when we try to do it in our strength, usually it's going to fall on its face and and we'll end up disappointed and discouraged. And then here comes a God who loves us, who comes in and includes us in his story. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the neat part of life when you begin to realize that we get to be a part of what God's doing, both in this in this side of heaven and then for eternity with him. So, Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. We've got show notes for tonight's episode at HopeNet360.com. Also, our live coaches are standing by. And all this month long, if you're an adult, if you're someone who is over 18, and you are really interested in reaching this next generation or just reaching out to people online in a way that's safe, and that can really help foster spiritual conversations and just talking through life with people who just need someone to be a listening ear, someone that can maybe share some experiences they've got in their life, consider becoming one of our live coaches at HopeNet360.com. And if you need to, you can chat with one of our live coaches at HopeNet360.com slash help Jeff DW. Jason wrapping things up tonight here on HopeNet Radio. And guys, this has been a really engaging conversation. And uh, talking about tough love, the purpose of it, we have to keep reconciliation and restoration in mind. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes about what's known as the ministry of reconciliation and where reconciliation began. See, it's not something that I conjured up and I said, hey, this sounds like a really great idea. Why don't we forgive people and then restore them? Well, no, that wasn't an original thought by Jeff. No, that's that's just something that I pulled from the great book, the Bible. And there's so much that we can unpack. The part of that I want to leave you guys with tonight is that the purpose of tough love would be reconciliation. Paul writes in verse 14 of chapter 5 that Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. In verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is a beautiful thing. See, God's not counting our sins against us. He is looking. He's already made the way of reconciliation. And now we can take that same message and we can take that same teaching and apply it in our lives and try to work through maybe difficulties in our relationships where we felt like, man, it's just impossible. There is no way I can ever trust this person again. There's no way. I know they want my trust, but there's just no way. This is impossible. Dave, what are some of your final thoughts? How would you encourage someone tonight that's dealing with these thoughts? Again, I would encourage all of us to understand that everybody you've ever met and are in a relationship with is a sinful person. And that it's impossible to be in any kind of relationship and not experience pain within that relationship. It's impossible. If you don't want to experience pain, you're going to isolate yourself and you're, you'll experience pain because you're isolated. There's no way to avoid pain in this world. That is why we want to be in God's family and live for the time when we get out of the effects of sin one day and, and be able to enjoy each other in a whole new environment. But if I'm one who has, who has done something I shouldn't do, There's a very simple process. I I can remember my dad walking me through this when I was a kid as far as just talking to a teacher at school about a bad grade. You know, I I didn't perform like I should. And what my dad made me do is go back to the teacher and say, now you can hear all the elements of health right here. He would make me say, 
I am not satisfied with this grade because I wasn't. I'm, I'm saying I'm not satisfied. And then I would look at the teacher and I would say, what do I need to do in order to get a better grade in this class? And then the teacher would then begin to work with me so that I could get a better grade. 100% of the time, by the way, that worked. I now began to work differently. The teacher began to notice that I was working differently. I got a better grade. They appreciated that I wanted to work at it, etc. So what I had to do is admit, here's the problem. I'm not doing what I should be doing somehow, even if I don't know what it is. You know, if I've hurt somebody in life, I need to go to them and tell them, I am sorry for hurting you. You know, and, and I need to be genuinely sorry. It's not like you're five years old, you tell your son to say, I'm sorry, they say, I'm sorry, and then they kick him again. You know, I mean, it, it, that is what we're talking about. But, but you need to be able to go to them and say, I'm sorry. And then, you know, this is what's right to do and say, what do I need to do to make this right? And ask them. And that's the second part that's often left out because people want to be forgiven, but they don't want to be restored. Yeah. And, and, and the second part is very important. And you know what? If they don't have an answer right away, just let them think about it. Say, you know what? I'll come back in a week and talk to you about it or tomorrow or whatever, because I would like to make this right. I'll tell you, if you, if you bilked somebody out of money, I'll tell you how to make that right. You get that money back to them and pay, pay them interest. That's how you make it right. You don't have to ask them. I'll tell you how to do that one. There's other areas in life. And maybe there might be a, a rich guy that says, I really don't care. Here's what I'd rather have you do that, whatever. But give the person you've offended a chance to help you get restored. And it really starts with God, where you go to him and say, God, you know, I was wrong on this. And, and ask God, what do I need to do to make this right? And if you don't know, then, then you need to sit with somebody who, who knows God, loves him a little older than you, that can help guide you through that process. You know, contact the live coaches on the Hope Line here, whatever. But, you know, don't just sit there and, and do nothing and say, well, nobody forgives me. No, if you want to be restored, you take some uh, intentional activity to get there. And if, if somebody asks you, you take some time to, to learn how to forgive and to learn what needs to be done to help them get restored. And I think tough love will be very well understood after that. You know, Dave, I, I think that that's so true. And, and I just want to touch on something again. Before we can even approach you know, forgiveness and, and restoration and tough love in our relationships. We have to have that happen in our relationship with God first and foremost. Yep. You know, we, we need to, to make sure things are right in that relationship. We need to seek that restoration process first. You know, and, and Jeff, I'm so glad you pointed to, to 2 Corinthians 5 there where it talked about reconciliation. And, and I just want to take it a, a bit further really quick. In verse 20, Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And now implore is a word that we don't use often, but really what that means is, is, is Paul is begging people essentially to be reconciled to God you know, because it's that important. And I want to just say to you out there right now, if you do not have a reconciled relationship with God, that is the first and foremost thing you need to do. If you need to talk to somebody about that, if there's something that's holding you back from, from pursuing God with all your heart, talk to a live coach. We'd love to talk to you about that. You know, tweet us. We'd love to direct message you. Whatever it is, we want you to make sure that you're on track with God first and foremost. And once that's there, it'll open up the door then to pursue that forgiveness and restoration process with others in your life and to show them that tough love because then you were able to receive that tough love from God and have that in your relationship. All right. There were some things we weren't able to get to in this series on tough love, but we have show notes. We've included some of those thoughts in tonight's episode of HopeNet Radio. 
So check it out, HopeNet360.com. That is all for us here on the show this week. And if you missed any part of this show or you want to go back and listen to past episodes, you can download all of these shows for free. Download our past episodes. Subscribe to our podcast at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Our live Twitter chat, the tweet back is going 24-7 at HopeNet360.com or just by using that hashtag HNRTB. It means HopeNet Radio Tweetback. See, it's it makes sense, right? So you can follow HopeNet360 on social media using the at HopeNet Radio handle on most social platforms. Just visit HopeNet360.com slash connect. From all of us here on HopeNet Radio, make each conversation count this week. You could save a life. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye-bye.